Welcome to the semi-regular podcast by Seth and Ron. This podcast is for you, our teams. We want to share stuff that we're learning and growing through that we think will help you serve God and others. I'm Ron Hudson, the lead pastor at Calvary Baptist Church. And I'm Seth Frank, the campus minister for Moorhead Christian Student Fellowship at Moorhead State University. Ron recently came back from Orange Tour in Washington, D.C., so I'm excited to hear what he learned there. Yeah, Orange Tour was awesome. It wasn't the Orange Conference. The Orange Conference is actually um, in Atlanta, and it's like a three-day, like, massive, awesome thing. And um, I want to take our team to that. But this was just a tour. It was like a one-day, like, mini thing um, where they talk about some of this stuff. Um, but we learned a lot of really cool stuff. Um, so the first thing I want to kind of walk through is what they call the phases. And it's um, Orange, if you don't if you don't know, is all about um, kids and youth ministry. So it's really um, the idea of orange where they get the color from is they take red, which represents love um, and community at home, and yellow, which represents the light of the gospel and of Christ and God and who he is at the church, and combine those two together and it makes something new. It makes orange. The big premise is that parents have way more influence and time with their students than that we do as ministers and, and pastors. So um, we should be, as churches, equipping them to do the ministry and really coming alongside and supporting them, which is how I've always been a youth pastor. I've always told parents, I'm, I'm an assistant coach. I'm here to support you, you as a parent because um, they know their student best and they're going to make great decisions most of the time. So... A couple of things I learned is the phases. So they talked about the preschool phase. Um, and, you know, some people think that preschool is just like babysitting and it's not. It's a it's a very vital part of ministering to the heart of a student. Um, so um, you don't think so? You're shaking your head no. Come on. Talk to me, man. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm just messing about while you're talking. That's oh, you're all. just you're just being silly. You're like saying yes. no, no, no. You're being sarcastic. Okay. No preschool. That's just babysitting. Oh, what are those so kids are gonna you... learn? What are they gonna do? Come on, really? Are you you're playing devil's advocate yeah. here? Right? Yeah, I can do that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've heard that, and in, in some ways, um, I've experienced that too. Is what what can preschoolers really get out of this other than just watching over them while the adults do their things? Right. So the the main question on a preschooler's heart that they talked about was, am I safe? Um, and for us to be able to teach them that, yes, you are safe. Um, and in, the, the biggest thing was to embrace their physical needs and to show up and meet their physical needs. So they see church and um, the church community as a place that is safe for them and that embraces them and that they love, um, that they start to connect church and church community with a place that that loves me and is safe and is enjoyable um so there there were three main questions that they asked number the biggest one was am i safe the next one is am i able and am i okay um those three questions we can really help to answer as like preschool ministers to love on them and you know the big thing with and we have an amazing preschool um leader uh, miss heather she's awesome and our preschool is like just amazing i love it and one of the things that she does so well is she really makes it all about wonder and there's these like oh, do you really think god is that big like all of these like just eye popping you know like 
God is so amazing. Um, and you could do that with visuals and you could tell stories and you make it funny. And our preschoolers, they just love it. So that's that's kind of like the preschool stage. And it's, it says embrace their physical needs. Um, what do you think about that, Seth? As far as the embracing goes, um, one of the things I've, I saw recently was a story about the, the Waggles, I think they're called, okay. children's television show. Um, they have I this think it's, whole... I think it's the Wiggles. But Wiggles? Hey, yes. <laughs> sure, whatever it's called. Uh, obviously not a children's minister. The Wiggles um, have this whole finger-waggling thing that they do when they're around okay. children. Yep. And part of the reason they do that is um, to... Sh- it's a greeting and it shows that they they do not actually ever contact. They don't ever touch the children as really? a safety thing um, so that they can't be accused of any inappropriate behavior around kids with this being called embrace. Right. Um, how do you, uh, how do you, how do you uh, take care of the child protection stuff? Um, but at the same time, take care of their um, physical needs by being comforted and embraced. So I think as ministers, we have a choice we have to make about whether we're going to err on the side of um, risk aversion and liability, or we're going to err on the side of loving people. Um, And for me, I err on the side of loving people. Now with, with that said, we do, we, I think the way you handle risk is structure is by structure. Um, and it's about all about structuring things. So there's never going to be a classroom that has an, a single person, a single adult or volunteer in it with students. So there's always someone else in the room with them that sees what's going on. Also in all of our classroom spaces, we have, we have reverse peepholes, um, which is huge because in like, parents sometimes have more anxiety than students and they want to check on their little guy and they could just walk up to a door at any time and look through the people and see what's going on in the class. Um, there's no reason not to. So we just, we put in reverse people so that anybody can be checked up on, on any time. Um, and I look through them all the time. I'm just walking through and, um, um, half the time it's to check and see if the lights are on when I'm locking up the building. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we have reverse peepholes. Of course, we do all the um, child protection background checks. All that stuff has to happen, and then training our volunteers. But you know, if if the first thing that a, a three or four year old, or or I mean, even a sixth grader does when they get to their class is run up and hug their small group leader or their volunteer that that they know, man, I think that's a win for us as a as a church and as an organization. Um, and I'm going to err on the side of giving a three or four year old a hug and creating the kind of environments where they want to come and get a hug and feel like it's okay. Um, then I am on the side of we're never going to touch anybody. Um, cause I, that just doesn't feel like Jesus to me. Um, so we're going to, you know, if we have to put three volunteers in there, we would, we'd figure that out, do whatever we have to do to keep it safe and still be able to, to be like Jesus and say, suffer the little children to come unto me. Um, so, Kind of having a posture of embrace um, and a structure of risk management. Exactly. Yeah, it's all about the structure of making sure. And the, I mean, it's just structural things like putting in peepholes, <laughs> like reverse, um, you know, those door things. Like those are structural modifications we made to our actual facility to to mitigate risk. And then, of course, having volunteers, multiple volunteers, um, you know, having an extra volunteer so we can 
uh, take kids to the bathroom and, and having a process and procedure for how to deal with all of that stuff. Um, we have, you know, the forms they fill out of what, who's allergic to what. So you know, all that structure helps to mitigate the risk. But at the actual volunteer level, it's like if you can build a relationship with this student where they just are so excited to see you that they run and hug your leg. Yeah, that's a win. That's a win for us. So um, with that said, let's move on to elementary. Elementary age, they talked about how the big question was, am I enough? And this is, he said in second grade is where you start comparing yourself to other people. And I totally remember that. I remember when I started looking at other kids and thinking, do I look as cool as them? Um, why do they want to hang out with me? Can I swing as high as they can on the playground? Like, I remember these questions in second grade. Maybe it was because my second grade teacher was at, at public school was, was pretty awful. She was fired after our second grade year like she was screaming this she was screaming at us i feel like i was traumatized in second grade but uh you know the whole like how fast can you grow go across the monkey bars and, and we would race and i mean it was just this revelation of competition and am i enough am i enough uh some of the other other questions um were uh do i have your attention do i have what it takes do i have friends um, as you're moving through elementary school. And the big the big word that they talked about to help is um, engage. Engage their interests. Engage in their interests um, to trust God's character and to experience God's family. And this is where it moves a little bit from wonder to discovery. And I see this in, like Jake, my son Jake is six. Um, he's in kindergarten and he's totally in this embrace stage. So it's not about learning something necessarily though he, he enjoys learning something new it's about us spending time together he's sitting on my lap i'm giving him hugs i'm tickling him we're wrestling it's very much uh you're safe with me let's let's just be together you're okay you're awesome i think you're so cool um it doesn't matter if we win the game or not on ipad he'll just quit it and walk away where lucas he's in this second stage and with him he want, he's coming to me and he's not coming to me because he just wants a hug. That's what I want. I want to just hug him. I just want to grab Luke. Every time he walks up to me, I'm like, come here, dude. I want to give him a big hug and like, you know, just bear hug him and stuff and, and tickle him. And he's like, no, no, get off me, man. I want to show you this cool thing I just found out in this game. Like, I'm trying to explain something to you. Can you like knock it off? Like, and it, I never understood that. I never got what was going on until at the conference they talked about this. It's like, he wants me to engage with him on this stuff. It's about discovery for him in this this stage of life. And so I'm learning now whatever he is interested in is the coolest thing in the world. And I'm going to drop everything and just like dive in. And we're going to get on Wikipedia and we're going to study it out and we're going to discover it. And like uh, he was one thing he's doing is he's playing Minecraft a lot. And so he uh, he wants to install mods and play Minecraft with modifications to the game. And so it's complex and difficult to install these modifications, but he's like, I want to install this Lucky Block mod, um, which is pretty cool. You hit this block and like these random, it could be a monster, it could be something good, like it's it's fun. So I'm like, yeah, I'll figure this out. I'm an IT guy, like I'm a nerd. I could totally figure this stuff out. I used to mod games when I was a kid. So we sat down and I taught him and we walked through and we downloaded the mod and we installed the right version and made sure they all aligned. And, you know, he's updating his Java version and stuff and I'm helping him figure it all out. And then the next day, 
he comes he comes running up to me uh like after i got home from work and he's like dad i installed a new mod come check this out he like knew how to do it and he learned how and he wanted to show me so it's not about um you know forcing a lesson on him it's about engaging in what he's interested in and letting him know you have my attention you have what it takes and um the other question is do i have friends you know and and he does now he's wanting his friends to come over and hang out and that's a pain in the butt but you know it's it's a new phase for a parent so then let's move to middle schoolers i, I don't know did you have anything to add there seth any thoughts um i i've been thinking through this idea of um comparison um and wondering if comparison must be inherent in competition as it you is. talked about with um, the competition stuff uh, at, at this age group. Um, because when comparison comes into the picture, part of what comparison says is uh, kind of your your first question, am I enough? Am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? Um, and am I, am I worth being loved enough? Right. Um, and I wonder if competition has to have has to have that inherently part of it uh, as inherently part of it. Um, and if it does, then I wonder the value of competition. And if it doesn't, I wonder how to create competition without necessarily creating um, comparison because at the end of comparison, someone has to be found out as not worthy, not good yeah. enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's like a, that's one of the reasons I hate Miss America pageants. Like, <laughs> I probably should not talk about this, but I cannot stand it. Oh my gosh. It's like just flat out. Like, let's compare your body with this body. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, let's hold up this one picture of this is what all these, all of you American women, you should look like this and aspire to be this. It's like, it's insane. Um, I think it's incredibly unhealthy. Um, but yeah. I, you know, I don't think, and I, and I've written about this on my blog, how I used to think relationships were all about comparison and it was such an immature, I, I don't know if I got stuck in a middle school or before middle school mindset, but all of my relationships, when we start attacking each other, when we get into joking with each other and cutting on each other and um, insulting each other out of quote unquote fun and joking and because we're just good natured that's comparison like that's fundamentally a comparison relationship um so it's like hey i could be more witty than you and that's really what's what's going on and i think that's just really a bad a bad place to be it, it the relationships i had were were built on that comparison so as a team i think building a habit and intentionally building a habit, shutting up that thing inside of you that compares yourself to someone else um, that I have and that everyone else has and intentionally celebrating the wins of other people. When I see Seth doing something good or, or like, like you or if I see another pastor in town or another church or kids ministry or group that's doing something and they win and they do something great, intentionally commenting on Facebook and saying, that is so awesome. I'm so glad that God is doing something amazing in our city through you people. And I'm so glad that you are in my city and we are working together. That intentional 
like just lifting other people up. I think that helps to realize, okay, we're on the same team, but I, it doesn't I, get rid of the competition. You I, know? See, I, I don't think that competition has to inherently have the comparison part of it. And it, and I know that sounds paradoxical. And what I mean by that is when, when I talk about comparison, what I mean is I'm comparing myself to you or you to another person and deciding which person is actually worthwhile, yeah. um, which person is worth love, which person is being, is worth being cared for. Um, and in competition, I don't think that has to be there that only the winner and part that's part of our culture. That's part of what I've dealt with so hard with trying to figure out competition is I've always said whoever wins is the one that is most, most worthy of love. Um, whoever wins is the most worthy of being cared for. And so then when you're saying becomes, that you say this, it's not like this outward, like belief that you just teach everyone. You're saying this is like a subconscious feeling inside of you that you have to wrestle with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. the one that I, it's how I figured out how I totally am agree. I loved Am I loved? Oh, I, to get love, I got to win this. <laughs> right. And so I will play full out um, because winning means you're worthy. Right. Um, but what if we were able to create competition where even the ones who lose know that they're still worthy? They have the image of God in them um, and therefore they are worth everything. And the fact that they were willing to play, the fact that they were willing to get up, and even if they fail, um, they still get rewarded for failing, um, is, I think, part of what takes the comparison part of it outside of competition. So maybe maybe if we make competition about discovery yeah. um, then and curiosity, and I think that's, that's really what this phase talks nice. about, is really in just amplifying the curiosity and saying okay you should you should do this because you'll discover something about yourself and you may discover something about god um if you engage in the universe around you if you engage in whatever is interesting to you you'll discover something about yourself and hopefully you discover something about the character of god and so building that in and saying okay it's all right and one of the things we're doing um as a church with another church in town um, an Easton Community Center, and uh, it's uh, Jim Angle over at the Lutheran Church, but um, it's called the Wells Program, and we're taking students outdoors and teaching character qualities through outdoors. It's middle school age, and we've done whitewater rafting, kayaking, and then yesterday was biking. And yes, and like each each activity we've done, there's been students that have excelled and students that have not. There's been the the front of the pack and like the back 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 of the pack and our message to them is hey you tried this thing and you're discovering something about hey where you're gifted or what things you enjoy but it doesn't really matter if you're like first or last you know on this activity what matters is that you tried that you experienced something and you discovered something about yourself um, that's going to help you know where you should pursue and where you should plug in and things you might enjoy i think if we could do more of that um, that's that's really good. Um, and I think as Christians, we can fall into this trap of winning is everything. 
and you know like let's not give a trophy to every kid and 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 I think that's a little different. I think it's okay to give a trophy to the winners. I think that's that's awesome. But you know, now looking at this preschool age of am I safe and embracing, um, I don't know when we need to start teaching these lessons of achievement and preschool might not be the age of just flat out saying like they don't understand competition. They don't understand winning and losing and they probably don't even understand the rules of the game and that there is a score <laughs> necessarily, but they will understand that there is a score when those kids get trophies and we don't like, so <laughs> just obviously whatever happened, we weren't enough. Um, like, so that, that could be the lesson that's being taught. So maybe they should all get a trophy. I don't know. I'm, I'm rethinking some of these things um, as I look through these phases and kind of interpret how I should, how I should treat kids and interact with students at these different phases. But yeah, I think the competition thing, and even more so, not just in students, in my own heart, I have to fight the comparison trap. Um, I, I was listening to a podcast recently. It was a pastor. He was talking about the most depressing thing. The, the biggest reason that causes depression in ministry people is comparison. Because I'm looking at how many people were at my church, and I'm wondering if we beat the church down the road. I'm wondering if our kids' ministry program is better. I'm wondering how we compare to such and such. And if I, that's going to happen in my heart and in my head, unless I proactively fight against it, unless I am intentional about dealing with it. And if I let that run rampant in my mind, then next thing you know, my value will rise and fall because if if I get to feel really good about great attendance on Sunday, that means I have to feel really, really bad when one Sunday half of our members decide to go on vacation. That also means that I, I, am, I have less worth as a person because someone went on vacation. And then how am I going to start to treat people in our ministry if my self-worth is going to change when they, they decide they need to get away for a weekend with their husband or their their family that's gonna mess things up bad and next thing you know i'm in one of those ministry models where you got this little king ruling his own world and we don't want we don't want to create that and so our value can't rise and fall on that comparison and if we do it's going to be bad news for our whole team culture so again i think the big the best way to fight it is to put everybody on your team who's doing the people you would compare yourself to, especially when it comes to ministry and following Christ. So the church down the road gets like doubles their attendance one Sunday. That's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's more people that they have reached that now we as a team um, don't have to worry about because someone else is, is reaching our city. Now we can go after some other people and we're, we're that much closer to the goal of, of seeing God's kingdom, um, you know, displayed and, sharing Christ with other people like that. I need to learn to celebrate that and lift them up. And I do that by intentionally talking about other ministries during my message. Um, I just did this yesterday, Sunday, I intentionally mentioned like Mount Olivet, who's uh, building a new building and just like praise them. My, my buddy Doug in, um, in Brownsville, he's a senior pastor there. Just, just lifting him up and giving him a shout out, you know, Jason over at faith assembly, just these guys are doing awesome stuff. And by intentionally praising other ministries, it shuts that thing down in my heart and says, well, I can't, I can't go there and compare it myself. It proactively says, you're not even good to go there, Ron. 
um, and it sets the tone for me in my mind and my heart. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. You can connect with Seth on Twitter. He's at Seth underscore Frank or on Facebook.com slash Seth.h.frank or his student ministry website, which is mcsf.is. mcsf.is. Of course, you can find all the stuff that I'm doing at pastorhudson.com or our church website, yourcbcfamily.org. Join us next time. We will finish up this conversation about Orange Tour and the rest of the phases. We love you guys and thank you for serving.